we reflect on the deadly storming of the Capitol one year later. Five people died during or soon after the attack. About 140 members of law enforcement were injured at the Capitol, and so far more than 700 people have been arrested in connection to the riot. Now, in a few moments, we'll learn about the people from Illinois who have been charged for participating in the insurrection. But joining us now is a journalist who was on the ground that day. Margaret Bifel is a reporter with WAMU in Washington, D.C., and my former colleague. Hi, Margaret. Great to have you on Reset. Hey, it's so good to be with you. So, Margaret, I know that you and uh, other reporters at WAMU, you've spent the last few days kind of circling back with Washingtonians who, who felt the effects of this attack on their hometown differently than the rest of us in other parts of the country. So as we mark one year later, what's going in your mind right now? Yeah, um, you know, I think, um, and this is something that I heard in uh, the interviews that I I did for um, the reporting that you're referencing, and and something that I'm also feeling personally as as someone who is an eyewitness. Um, I think one of the most disturbing and difficult things of the past year has been watching this event that was really a collective trauma become a political football instead. I think it kind of feels like. It's gotten wrapped up in bickering and political tribalism, and it's easier now to lose sight of the pain of what people who were there, who live in D.C., who, you know, experienced this in their hometown um, were feeling that day and have continued to grapple with since. Um, So that was really, I think, um, you know, the main thrust of of what we heard from, um, from the people that we interviewed. So take us back to that day, to the Capitol riot. When did you first hear about it, and how quickly did you actually make your way over? Yeah, so um, we we knew that there would be a big demonstration. Of course, everyone knew that you know they, there was going to be this rally at the White House, and that it seemed like they were likely to to make their way to the Capitol um, to sort of continue the rally. Um, so our newsroom had. Um, you know, prepared. We had um, four reporters who, uh, myself included, who were, you know, kind of um, staffed for different times that day. So I was on the later shift. Um, I wasn't at the rally at the White House. I'm, two of my colleagues were there. Um, and uh, then my reporting partner and I um, went over to the Capitol around 2.30 or 3. So um, shortly after um, the insurrectionists actually breached the building itself. Okay. Um, and then we were there until um, about 9 p.m. that night. So well after curfew and, and when most of the people had, had dispersed. And so between 2.30-ish and, and 9, what did you see? Yeah, um, there's a lot of things that, that stick with me from that day, of course. Um, I don't think I'll ever forget the moment that I saw the Capitol for the first time on the 6th. Um, I was walking up to the east side. It was just a really shocking moment seeing um, the steps just jammed with um, Trump supporters and a big part of the Stone Plaza kind of below just swarming with people, um, you know, screaming, and it was really loud. <laughs> um, and um, I recently interviewed actually one of the leaders of the D.C. National Guard who was there that day, and mm-hmm. he said um, he had a similar experience. He described it as unbelief. <laughs> um, 
to to describe that first visual. Um, and then he talked about, you know, kind of having that sort of emotional moment and, and then putting his head down and getting to work. And, and that was definitely my experience as well. Um, my reporting partner and I kind of circled the Capitol a couple of times and, um, you know, took some um, video and photos and we're just kind of trying to get a lay of the land. Um, another striking thing that we saw in that kind of initial <laughs> review of what was going on at the scene was, um, you know, coming around the West Front, um, the presidential inauguration scaffolding had already been put up, of course. And right. so, you know, coming around that corner and just seeing it just jammed, it felt like it was like a skyscraper, you know, overhead wow. of um, all of these, you know, very angry and, you know, people who really felt like they meant violence. And of course they did. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that will always stick with me as well. It sounds like it made a lot of sense for you to be out there in pairs, too, reporting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely um, a comfort to have someone else who was, you know, we could be, um, you know, a little bit more situationally aware uh, together. What would you say the aftermath has felt like in the D.C. area throughout this year? Yeah, I mean, as I said at the top, I think it can be easy to forget that D.C. is a city where people live, um, as well as this kind of place with enormous national symbolism. Um, And I think that people felt like their safety was violated. Um, And so in the immediate aftermath of the event, people were really fearful that there would be more violence around the inauguration, of course, which is a couple weeks away. Um, So those next couple of weeks really did, I think, feel sort of like a fever dream in D.C., Um, you know, I had a bulletproof vest in my living room. Suddenly, D.C. residents were living with, you know, 25,000 National Guard troops, um, you know, with security checkpoints all over the city. Um, It was really surreal. Um, And even after the inauguration happened safely, um, you know, the National Guard presence didn't fully um, depart until May. Um, and the big fence around the Capitol that was, you know, blocking residents from using the Capitol grounds, which is, you know, a place that um, a lot of people, you know, teach their kids how to ride bikes and they go on walks and yeah. they go on runs there and, and so forth, um, do all those normal things. Those, that access was blocked until July. Um, so it really was, um, you know, it, it took a long time for even the physical reminders of what had happened to leave the city. Well, I'm I'm glad you brought up police presence. And let's remember, there are a number of law enforcement agencies that operate in Washington. But I remember, Margaret, before the insurrection, you were one of the lead reporters for WAMU that was covering all the racial justice protests in D.C. That was in sort of summer and fall of 2020. How would you compare those experiences yeah, um, I mean, certainly um, I have been thinking a lot about that. And, um, you know, I think the, the central thing for me is that, um, you know, um, the the police reaction to um, the, the two groups of people was just so, it, it felt really quite radically different. Um, you know, we would see routinely in some of the, the larger nights of, of racial justice protests in, um, you know, summer and fall 2020, um, you know, dozens or even hundreds of people arrested. um, And, you know, we just didn't see that at the Capitol. 
um, on the 6th. I think that um, the Capitol Police the next day reported that they had arrested 14 people. Um, And so the, um, you know, and I know that police leaders have said um, in some cases that, you know, they just, the, the threat was so dire that they were focused on securing the building and not on making arrests. And, of mm-hmm. course, you know, we know that the FBI and, and um, federal law enforcement since then have, uh, you know, have arrested, you know, hundreds of people who were involved in in the insurrection. But, um, you know, at the time, just watching, you know, the watching what happened and, um, you know, the degree of violence that um, the rioters you know, were uh, using towards the police um, in comparison with the racial justice protesters. It just, um, the response, the scale of the response just felt um, really kind of out of proportion. Yeah, it was a stark contrast. So what are you going to be paying attention to then as this new year unfolds? Yeah, um, I think on uh, a local level, you know, we are, of course, interested in, um, you know, continuing um, the, what the continuing healing process looks like for um, people in DC. Um, you know, how do we um, how do we move forward and um, heal, but not forget what happened? Um, and also, of course, um, you know the the scope and scale of the threat from you know right wing extremists um, does still feel very real in the city. You know, we've had a couple of incidents that we've. Um, you know, seen over the past year where, um, you know, somebody with, um, you know, right wing and political affiliations has, you know, had there's been there have been bomb bomb threats on Capitol Hill and and so forth. And so um, and I know that the the scale of um, uh, of threats that the Capitol Police has been um, dealing with with respect to lawmakers mm-hmm. has been really heightened. So, um, you know, I think that it's kind of that balance of, um, you know, moving forward and, um, you know, coming together as a community and and also being realistic about, um, you know, what could still happen in the future. Lots to pay attention to a a year later. That's Margaret Barthel, Northern Virginia reporter in the WAMU newsroom. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.